0: Welcome to Sardisms, where we take great ideas and bring them together to have great conversations. Today, we have Mark Cox, who is the author of The Business Case for Love and is the founder of The Company Spirit. Mark has a long history within the advertising world, but quickly noticed the need for leaders to engage with employees to create a more cohesive and collaborative workforce. Mark's philosophy wraps around the idea that when you look after your employees, you in turn look after your customers. Welcome, Mark. How's it all going?
1: I think a consistent theme I've been having with um, some of my uh, people I've been talking to is is uh, that I think everybody's realized that lockdown three is just one of those things where, you know, working from home has its real good and bad side. And, and I was talking to a CEO a couple of weeks ago. He runs a small building society. And I was asking him how he was getting on with his leadership team and what they were doing. And he said, he said, "Sort of operationally, we're fine. I mean, the process bits kind of work on Zoom. But what he realizes is, is missing is the creativity, the spark, the energy, the you know, the ability to get together and do stuff and create stuff. And and I think that's uh, that's been a theme personally. I, you know, that's how I feel about stuff. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, it's absolutely. it's." Uh, It's uh, and I think that's something that you know everybody that is you know working through how do you adapt um, starting to say you know meetings for boring things okay can happen over Zoom (laughs) but meeting but you know when you get together there's got to be a real purpose of getting together and that's going to be much more around harnessing creativity and energy and you know coming up with ideas exactly
0: Mm. yeah I've found it's just not those moments of sort of serendipity that we we just bump into somebody and you start a conversation i i fortunately had one of these this morning with uh there's a professor of physics because we're up on the university of kent campus my wife and I are in the office this morning. There's, oh, there's, yeah. no, one, there's no one else here. <laughs>
1: so no no guitar so, playing today. Uh, no, no guitar
0: lesson. No guitar playing today, no.
1: <laughs> Actually, to, 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 just to interrupt, Kevin, I, funny how I have told that story yeah. about five, six, five or six times now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Of, 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 you know, part partly what we all, you know, just put up with without even questioning, yeah. <laughs> you know, so the fact that you and I had a conversation or the three of us had a conversation. Meanwhile, your son was strumming away on his electric yeah, guitar. Yeah, an electric guitar, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you think, well, you know, that's fine.
0: <laughs> it is fine. It's good. It's, it's quite nice these days to see people sort of uh, see the, the domestic life of people obviously don't want to intrude too much, but it's nice to see people as people, isn't it? Like see them having their kids jump around and annoy them.
1: (laughs) And I think we've, you know, uh, and I think people have just given up on, um, you know, I mean, how can you criticize that? Because I mean, it's, it's it's a joy rather than anything else. And I think
0: that's, (laughs) Mm. (laughs) it was, it was good fun. Yeah. We had a long conversation, didn't we? We had a...
1: Well, we did. How, how you? It was, I,
0: yeah. It was supposed to be the warm-up for this yeah. to discuss what we're going to talk about. Now no, we have run out of things. No, we haven't.
1: Sure no, we I, have I, I've been I really looking forward to um, re-engaging with you two. And, um, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with what you guys are up to. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, tell tell us more. They, they don't sound so surprised.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny, actually, your your ideas. And we keep talking about things. We're, we're on a big project at the moment to sort of try and create this open source community around NHS tech and one of the big things that keeps coming up is uh, like joy and purpose and community and how important it is that, that people feel really engaged with the process because actually that has been something that's been missing in all of these big national programs for IT yeah. and wasted billions and billions of pounds but of course when that stuff's been built by Fujitsu and it's just being contracted out and doesn't have the sense of love and belonging mm. that it has if it's oh yeah we're gonna we're gonna create something good for the NHS and when your when your family goes into the NHS they're gonna they're gonna be on the receiving end of this great great idea and so we've we've really um, embedded joy and purpose and uh, autonomy and mastery which we discussed last time
1: well it's quite um, um <laughs> quite interesting you say that because thank you for your excellent questions I mean I don't know whether we'll actually follow them or not but uh oh, yeah. it, it, <laughs> it, 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 it did make me um think through and prepare and and, and actually uh I, I think um, interesting you, you, you say what you just said, Kevin, because I, I when the 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 big question you ask, you know, is how is the UK going to bounce back? Mm-hmm. And actually, part of my thought process uh, back to you guys was to compare and contrast what seems to be the uh, you know the perceived failure of or, and the approach it went of test and trace versus the success of vaccination uh, program uh, and that right. the. the and the second has created a huge amount of love, care and empathy and a sense of purpose, um, whereas the first didn't. Oh,
0: yeah, definitely. My mum my yeah, is a nurse and she signed up. She's a retired nurse. And so she signed up for the vaccination programme, um, but they didn't need her. And she said, I've, I'm really gutted that yeah. I didn't join in. She yeah. said, I really wanted to be a part of that. Oh, she'd been a nurse for 20, 30 years and she really wanted to be a part of it. And Joe McDonald, who we had on the podcast, is a retired consultant psychiatrist and he's in doing hundreds of vaccinations per day in a big sports hall in uh, in Newcastle. Oh, Newcastle. And, Newcastle. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so he came back, he said he was driving back from that vaccination centre and he like just welled up, you know, he's in tears mm. because of, what he saw there you know all of these people coming together to try and deliver something
1: well I, I and look i mean i i, I haven't experienced um the uh, bad side of test and trace um my, some a lot of people i i know have uh and what i mean by the bad side is the 45 phone calls y- you get you know if you've been identified as you know positive uh, and they all say the same thing and they all make you and there's there's a c- sort of crassness of my uh, one of my old clients said he he's um you know, they, they, they kept talking about, is his daughter still going out to work? And we said, well, no, actually, you know, because she's nine. <laughs> <You know>? hmm. <laughs> Grated with people is, is that everybody was on script you know, and, right. and you couldn't get people off script, you know, so you couldn't have a human conversation about anything. And then, you know, a few hours later, you get the same phone call and you'd have to go through the whole thing again. Uh, mm. And, uh, you know, and just a nightmare. Uh, and therefore, you know, there's no sense of you know, being in the moment. There's no sense of of listening. You know, it's just mm. a process. Uh, and, and and that's the very opposite of the you know, the vaccination program. It's, it, it is a process in the technical sense of the word, mm. but actually the way it's being created and the sense of community and the sense of love um, uh, about it, I, I, <laughs> you probably, mm. it's probably a lady you don't listen to, but um, um, my, my wife is a, a, a great fan, I, and therefore I have become of um, Radio London, BBC Radio London. And uh, in the afternoon, there's a presenter called Joe Good. Uh, and she's very funny, and and yeah. she had a jab about three weeks ago, and and she was, she was just saying that it was and it was up at laws, and and she said what was great was everybody dressed up, <laughs> you know everybody yeah. dressed up, <laughs> and, and it, she said it was like the best. Social occasion, you know, oh, yeah. been to for for, for weeks, <laughs> and everybody's kind of hello, oh, hello, how are you? And isn't it exciting? And and you know, and and, I, and and I think that's the you know the lovely side of all of that, you know. And I think it, mm. it you know, and I, I suppose it it goes to the heart of some of the things that we talked about and what I you know believe in is that you you have to start with belief. Yeah, you know, you, you have to start with whatever you're doing. You, you know, you have to start with with believing it and you know do i believe do i believe in this company do i believe in this government do i believe in this you know minister that's talking to me about this do i believe in the vaccination program do i believe in test and trace you know do i believe that this country will bounce back you know i I think that and and so often that word you don't start there and and you know as and i suppose for me that's what i talk about you know, you lead with the heart and follow with the head. You know, mm. you've, if if, if, you, if you get the emotional engagement right, you know, the, the other stuff follows. But, mm. you know, so much of business and life and, you know, what we've been through over the last year, I, I personally, I think it's been the wrong way around. Mm. You know, it's been a lot of head-led stuff, um, sometimes because you have to. But, you know, if you don't engage with people, if you don't bring people with you, uh, then, then, you know, that the effect is 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 somewhat
0: suboptimal. That's actually the bit that I went to uh, in your book and underlined lots lots of parts of. <laughs> was was uh, I, I have to confess I haven't read the whole thing. You might want to no, answer that out. <laughs> 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 I read the first half and then skim read the, the second the second part, but obviously. The chapter titled How the Boss Can Be Loved. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you read that a few times. I read that a few times. (laughs) (laughs) Um no, but actually obviously it speaks to me directly as in like how do you lead a company? And um there was some great great bits in here, like the goal goal goal-oriented, uh not task-oriented. Um but basically setting out your vision, as you say, leading leading with the heart and not the head
1: it's, it's 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 interesting because because obviously um i, I had a um that whole goal versus task um, as i mentioned in the book i mean came came out of um, this conversation i had with the technical director at mclaren oh. uh, and 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 actually when i met him he was <laughs> he was incredibly um cynical um of uh, uh, uh he was part of the leadership team that you know ultimately I did the presentation to and 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 I um I, I did I was true to myself in as much as I presented live off a flip chart and you'll understand this a little bit in terms of presentation so I started and I had I have to say I was incredibly nervous um uh, mm. and uh and I, and I started and 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 I was about 90 seconds in and this guy you know lent over and he said this is a full me- leadership team meeting and he said i haven't heard <laughs> he said i haven't understood the word you've said
0: <laughs> oh. wow oh. Oh. <laughs> sometimes that abrasion you they're they're the simon cows right they're the, yeah. they're the yeah. people that when they're cynical and you win them over you know people who've got to the top of their game and yeah. you're a bit sort of intimidated by it's often because they have such high standards and they've got a really good nose for bull as well.
1: And, and, and mm. actually, I mean, it was just uh, two anecdotes. after that, I mean, what was, what was interesting was when I sort of drew breath, closed my eyes and started the game. <laughs> <You know, laughs> uh, I started that presentation in the same way as I've started anything by talking about getting them to talk about customer experiences they love, which kind of threw them a bit. Uh, mm. And, um, and I, um, and I knew I'd started to make uh, the breakthrough when the financial director, so financial director, the last person I thought would, he started because I was talking about, uh, we ended up talking about Apple and the unpacking philosophy. You know, it's, it, it's that, you know, it's not just a package, it's actually how do I make the customer experience enjoyable and memorable and yeah, it's
0: got a sort of ceremony around it, yeah, hasn't
1: it? A, and a ceremony and then at that moment you know he started to nod and start to say okay I kind of get I get where you're started to come from uh, mm. and and actually well, was that nodding <laughs> make me relax then <laughs> yeah. and and start to start to flow and then, actually, if I fast forward to to having lunch with this chap Dick, um, um, or Richard, I should say Dick, uh, Dick Glover. Um, no, he wasn't. He was a, <laughs> <laughs> a lovely guy. I know he was he a lovely guy. He was. But you know, we had lunch, and, and and he was, uh, you know, he you know he he was. He said, "Look, I was quite cynical when you started because I just thought it was marketing, you know, BS." And, and then I sort of got listened, and I got started to understand what you're talking about. Uh, and actually, that. That's when we started talking about this whole um, I mean, you know, he brought he brought up this because I didn't have the six best in class leadership behaviors at the time. Um, but he started talking about, you know, what's really interesting between the difference between um working for Formula One and working for the automotive company is that at Formula One, you you always had the goal, which was the next race. Mm. Uh, and 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 you know, you had a very clear. You know, that's what we're all working to. And the millions of things that went round it were the tasks. But Mm. you, but the, and therefore the team was energized. And the reason why he was relating that back to automotive is that, you know, they were a car company. So you don't have that drop dead, you know, in two weeks time, you've got to be on, you've got to be at Monza or, or Monaco and, and and you on the starting grid, you've got a slightly different timeframe. And therefore, you know, what he was talking about was the importance within the culture of the company to maintain that sense of goal, you know, to maintain that sense of, you know, you know, let's rally around this. And I, I do think it's one of the difficulties that a lot of, you know, poor leaders have, if, if you use that phrase, which is that they get obsessed by the task mm-hmm. and they forget. And, you know, and this comes back to the whole, let's stand up once a year and then outline the company strategy and then seemingly immediately forget that for the next you know, three hundred and sixty-five mm. days, yeah. rather than rather than you know, and then get and then focus on the task all the time. Whereas mm. actually, you know, I think good leaders they they they're very clear about these are the goals. This is what we're trying to do. This is this is the clarity that people want. And and it's a different you know, it's a different way of thinking.
0: Mm. You put it here they stop they stop being a leader and become a manager instead. Well,
1: and so- and, and you know, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because um when i was doing this work with crew which was a crew clothing company which was a turnaround you know classic case you know the the original company um had a strong spirit private equity turns up three out of the four founders go you know the the, the one left is floundering even though he's made mm-hmm. some money uh and you know gradually they lose their way and they lose what they're about and and then uh, you know the red ink appears and then suddenly it's what do we do and then the ceo gets fired And as it happens, that particular CEO knew me and and we started the journey back. Always my way of going about it was, was, um, you know, you go back to your roots, you know, go back to to how were you behaving when you're at your best? And Mm -hmm. and then a little bit further forward when we were talking about something. (laughs) what on some way is is particularly given the conversation we're having about vaccination program sounds quite mundane. You know, which is Christmas, <laughs> Christmas at, at, at crew, but by actually having a clear goal, which was let's try and make this, the, let's make this the best Christmas ever, it gave the managers a sense of that's what we're doing every day. You know, rather than are the ta- are the shelves tidy, or you know, have you got some money in the till, or are the products all out? You know, which are mm. all those things that need to happen aren't their tasks, and if you maintain for me that sense of goal then actually it's a very easy rallying call to to their for their team Mm. you know let's what that's why we're doing this that's what we're trying to do and let's make sure you know whilst we're busy we still try and make it the best customer experience possible and we're going to do that by making sure it's the best employee experience possible Mm
0: -hmm. yeah I I like that you make a clear distinction though between that leadership uh, and the management there's a friend of ours, uh, Terence Eden, who's a, who's a big part of the open source community and um, works for GDS, the Government Digital Service, and he, he previously worked at NHSX. And he was he was tweeting the other day about how he's never found a good leadership book. I mean, he, he, he should probably read this, actually. I'd sent him in the direction of David Marquette, but I, I will also send him in the direction of this. A uh, note to self. I will <laughs> I'll put him this way, um, because I think this really is a book about leadership. At it's heart, right? Um, but he, he found a lot of the leadership content was, um, didn't directly relate to him. I think he found it quite hard to apply. And I said, you know, and I didn't, I didn't mean this in a, in a, a sort of a negative way, but I said, are you actually in a leadership position at work? You might, you may have a team of people, but, I, I personally make a big distinction between leadership and management. And I would say I am a terrible manager, you know, organizing people and timescales is this thing follows this thing and then this thing happens and then that thing happens and coordinating that to me, that is management and yeah. and leadership, which, you know, if I do say so myself, <laughs> I think is actually one of my core strengths which is to say here's the bigger picture here's the vision of where we want to get to and those two things are not necessarily the same thing and if i was in a project team in a company and and i had to deliver something um you know to coordinate that that team to in order to get there i might be terrible i probably would be terrible at it but that's not that's not my role yeah in a company. And yet so often businesses the the they select their leadership through the quality of the management coming through. It's so how well, how well did you run this this project? How well did you coordinate this group of staff? And that's a very different skill set to being a leader. It's almost like I had to start my own business because I, I never would have mm. got to where I am by going through the management route because I'm so bad at it.
1: And I do think that's one of the the problems that a lot of companies end up with is that they they do they promote the wrong people and and the skill set to lead is very different to to managing uh, as you've articulated and being a leader um, is 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 much more about having that confidence to to offer two things in, in my mind you know which is clarity you <laughs> this is the goal you know this is the vision this is what we're doing this is the sense of purpose this is where we're going uh, and but also collaboration. And I think the collaboration bit is is where um, a lot of, uh, dare I say, men of a certain age um, really struggle with with, because they the the collaboration comes from from an employee drive now, uh, particularly from the millennials and certainly. You know, if not the millennials, <laughs> I mean, following hard on their footsteps, Generation Z, where they want to feel involved. I mean, they 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 want to feel. And I obviously I say in the in the uh, the book, I call it the Facebook effect. You know, you've got a generation, and I the positive side of Facebook, you've got yeah. a generation of people who have who have grown up in sort of liking, you know, adding, commenting um, to, to 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 stuff, and they want that from work. Mm. and they, they want to feel involved and i think that's where that's where so many leaders are, are being found out thankfully you know i mm. i think that's the good thing because you know they're good at the process side but they're appalling at the empathy you know care and love side uh partly because they i think partly because some of them think that's a waste of time <laughs> mm. you know uh, and and partly because they're not wired in that way uh, and i think the other you know, to pick up on you know your own definition of what you're good at and what you're not good at. Um, one of the absolute truisms of my work over the last twelve years is every client I've worked with who's been a sponsor, i.e., I've worked with them, uh, normally the CEO, they've always been comfortable in their own skin. You know that they've always known what they're good at and, and what they're not good at, and are, are relaxed with who they are. And I think the other danger of, of a lot of managers who get over promoted is they're not comfortable in their own skin they're paranoid about being found out actually what tends to happen is is the two behaviors that manifest themselves out of that it, it is ironically two very different ones one is bullying because if you're not sure or you tend to lash out uh, and, and the other one is incredibly poor Internal communication. Mm. I think the good thing about all of this, in terms of leadership and management, is is the what I call the dinosaurs. You know, that they, they, they there's no hiding place. There's no hiding place. Uh, and and you know, obviously, what happened to to uh, the ex chairman of uh, KPMG. Uh, only two weeks ago is a perfect example of of the the employees revolting, you know, mm. in the true sense of the word. I mean, clearly what happened was 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 whatever you know that that famous you know town hall meeting. Um, and I think what makes me laugh is he obviously never realised that people would screenshot stuff, uh, and he obviously never realised that people would press the record button. And once the furrow hit the fan, you know, that clearly what they did was then they sent it off to the FT. And they said, you know, here's a story. <laughs> and four mm-hmm. days yeah. later, he was gone. Yeah. And good, because actually, you know, the, the reason why he went, clearly, was lack of empathy, lack of care, lack of love for his team. And, and you know, rather surprisingly, you know, given this l- sort of last place you'd expect it to come out, you know, the KPMG lot, the employees said, you know, enough's enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not putting up with it. You know that's what's going on at the moment. Is is that, and therefore the type of leadership we're talking about, the type of leadership that the the sort of winning type, um, you know, is 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 what you're doing at Sard. My daughter's very good. I think we talked about this last time. I and mean, my daughter's very good at, at being 29, saying, "Dad, you've got to." You know, <laughs> here's a few frames of references which are my generation. Um, not mm. your generation, and I, and I think a very good one that she's pointed to me is uh, the founder of uh, Brewdog, James Watt. I mean, it's a two billion dollar company, mm. you know. So he's not doing tobacco, right. but the great thing is, if if you go on to um, he did a TED talk uh, which he recirculated quite recently, and then if you go onto his on onto the Brewdog website, the way it's written, the values and the behaviours are just very you know real. You know, they're they they're they I mean, I'm, I'm tempted to use the word authentic, but it's overused in this context. They're just very real. You know, they're very tangible, and they're very believable. Uh, and he puts, you know, the customer experience and the employee experience and love for what you do, absolutely central to how he runs the business. You know, and, and I think that's the. If like the, I think there is a massive changing of the guard happening. You know, as as we speak. I think the. You know, if 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 I'm if I've got my happy hat on um, for the moment, you know, I, I, you, you see all around you. You know, the the companies that are winning, you know, the heroes versus the villains, uh, particularly over the last year, are, are the ones that are going a different way. You know, that uh, that leadership fundamentally believes in in the principles of of um, of of love, care, and empathy, vision, sense of purpose, and. And I think this is just a sort of recognition that I think one of the other things I found very strongly uh, in in my work is that the vast, vast majority of employees, no matter what category, no matter what country, and actually in many ways, no matter what age, that they they really want to believe in the company they work for. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they really want to be proud of it. They really want it to have some ethics. They want it to have a sense of purpose. You know, they don't want it to end up on the front page of the business press or the front page of the newspapers or lead story in the media. You know, they're, they're, they're terrified by all that because they want to believe in the company. And, and I think that, I think I think a lot of companies, a lot of CEOs just don't get that. Mm. You know, they've, if you like, succeeded in a maybe in their late 40s 50s 60s and therefore their upbringing if like in terms of how do you do business was in a in a a very different way
0: we talked about this in the in the (laughs) warm-up but um do do the nice guys win though like that's that sounds good to me but we, we talked about this last time about you know so how some companies set out their store and I, I think I know the answer to this, but some company sets out a store like Ryanair or whatever, where, you know, perhaps principles and values are not, not the be all and end all. It's just, can can you get the cheapest flight over there? And I'd like to think that, that running a business based on ethics and principles works, but there's also an element of me that goes, well, yeah, that brew dog is also up against, you know, some some company that's, realize that they can get huge savings by combining all of these distribution centers together you know they just do the practical logistics of the thing it, 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 I don't know They're doing certain processes I'm not convinced that crime doesn't pay and we've we had this conversation mm. before I sometimes you should do just do it anyway well you should just do it anyway
1: I think the question is sustainability I think a lot of companies can have their moment in the sun for a bit because of the tactics they use. I think long-term growth, I would argue, only comes with companies that are, have got a clear vision, sense of purpose, that really um, has got longevity to it. And, uh, and I suppose uh, an example I would use um, is IKEA. You know, I, I, And now we all may hate be stuck in the queue at <laughs> wembley every so often <laughs> but uh you know this is a multi-billion pound business that started off in a you know pretty out of the way swedish um town um but with a founder you know who had a clear set of values uh, and and i think the uh, what was the phrase he used it was a, it was about creating a better every day for the comp for everyday people common people mm. you know at its heart that company is a is a, is a design-led company it's about mm. product design but everybody can access ac- access it and and I you know they have in my mind you know use their values to to remain you know relevant and 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 even over the last few months I mean they, they've invested heavily in in sustainability they've invested heavily in, in 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 you know looking at the rental market they've they've mm. invested heavily in in uh, in, uh, in spare parts you know how do you how do you re relove something um mm. you know uh, rather than just throw it away uh, mm. uh, and that says to me that, that that company is constantly innovating you know mm. it's constantly moving forward uh, and and i think that's where to me that's the difference between the you know the, the short term you know the, the success I mean obviously you know the, the the Michael O'Learys of the world very rich man you know the philip greens of the world very rich man mm. um you know he doesn't care I mean he would he, he, you know he's he's got his millions and he doesn't care a job you know and there will always be a few of those but I think what is what is changing is is employees will vote for their feet with their feet you know uh, if they can and obviously not everybody can up sticks and move but that they most of them will not put up with a toxic culture Uh, and i think that's the thing they they and it's partly you know partly me too partly this whole sense of a kind of annoyance and annoyance is too soft a word i mean just you know the the effect of 2008 you know that sense of Mm you know, the bank has got away with it, you know, the, the sense mm. that, that you know, there was no accountability, um, the sense that trust, you know, is often uh, at a minimum in, in the way some companies operate. Mm. I think as all those things have added up to, you know, a bunch of employees who are saying, you know what, I'm not going to put up with that. Yeah. You know, I, and I think that's the di- that's the dynamic yeah. that, that is the good news. Yeah. And as Bill Michael has found out.
0: Yeah. I, I, I can see, I can see arguments on both sides. Like one of one of the things I feel like with our company is if you've got everyone pushing in the right direction and they all believe in the same thing, that's actually a huge strategic advantage, you know, yeah. having people who are working hard on things because they believe in it. You know, we've got a guy working on a project so at the moment. He's just doing it in his downtime because he believes he, he, he said, I've got a bit, some, he was a consultant. I've got some spare time. I'm just going to help you out on this project. And he's just done it. Just, just, his own volition and that that's great um and we we try and still uh um uh, computer scientists from because we're on the university of kent campus here and i went and did a presentation to uh computer science students in a lecture and just told them about what we were working on what we were doing and um the professor there he came up to me a few weeks later, where I saw him on campus and he said, you know, it was really funny because when you did your presentation, you presented this big vision of, of what they could be doing and how they could be helping improve the NHS. And he said, everyone grabbed my card, everyone grabbed your cards, like you left your business cards at the bottom, everyone was interested in it. He said the HSBC turned up like a few weeks later, and they gave out free iPads, they were given big salaries. And he said, people weren't interested. was <laughs> a yeah, yeah. really remarkable difference. And of course, that's, you know, to be cynical about it, there's a, just a strategic advantage in, in laying out that big vision, because it, then people are pushing in the same direction as you. But on the flip i look at ikea and i think they also do that tactic where they trap you in their store and make it really <laughs> hard to walk really around. hard and, yeah. and if they didn't do that they would be competing against a store that would and that's where the crime does pay kind of sentiment comes from i can see if i can see argument on both sides that if you if you run your company to a big vision and some decent ethics that are aligned with with your employees yeah that's great but there is also, uh, well, sometimes there's just a strategic advantage to doing things. I think it's just, I think it's the heart and head bit,
1: you know, I, I, and that's where. Um, so the heart starts with that, that you know, vision of to create a better everyday life for everyday people, you know, and and that and that drives product design and everything else. The head bit is being a smart retailer, right. but the way they do it, obviously, is and we've all been trapped in it is <laughs> um, you know they is through the room sets mm. you know and and therefore um and I think that's one of my favorite you know stories and anecdotes and and one of the things that I obviously I try and do with the book is 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 make it very anecdotal very, make it very you know experiential and therefore you know it's it, a it,
0: nice read it's a nice narrative it's a read. Nice read. It's, you know because someone picking up a business book you you'd think it might be you know quite sort of Dry oh, and preachy. Dry, dry and yeah, preachy and structured. And it's not it's not instructive in that way. It's it's uh, parables, really, isn't yes. it?
1: Yes. Well, I think um, I mean funny enough, it, it was the um, you know, if I go back to my roots advertising, and I was, you know, thinking about actually what that taught me uh, at the time. Um, you know, and, and obviously like everything, you don't realise what you what they did teach you until you sort of reflect a little bit and you think to yourself, okay, well actually that sort of makes sense. And I mean, my, I mean, to give you some context, so uh, my, my advertising career was was about a decade on from the end of Mad Men, <laughs> you know, so, mm-hmm. ah, um, yeah. so 1980s. And, and and I think, you know, there, there's a few things that I, I suppose I picked up from those days that I, I've used within the book. Um, uh, w- one of them, you know, is about creativity and clarity. And because the thing I, I learned more than anything was the clearer the brief, the better the work, mm-hmm. you know, mm. and, and, and actually so many briefs weren't clear and therefore the work was, you know, suboptimal. Uh, I suppose the other thing, perhaps not surprising, and this is what I have genuinely felt about the book, and, and that's why, you know, thank you, both of you, for your comments and support about this, is, is that if you create something, <laughs> there is a moment when you hand it over <laughs> you know and it sort of takes me back to those days where you know you sit as the account man you know I was the suit you know I <laughs> uh, you sitting there as, as the account man and his creative team would be would, would have a have their drawing pads and their storyboard or whatever and they were about to unveil something to you and and, and of course you know the the thing that the, the thing that is so true was that they passionately believed in what they were about to unveil or or the vast majority of them did the really good ones did Mm. Uh, and therefore that passion for for creativity for their own creative work was I think so important but I think the most perhaps the most relevant one that reflects to what you just said Kevin is is the importance of storytelling
0: just pointing to a page in a book communicate to engage tell stories (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, the interesting thing is, you know, the guy I mentioned, uh, Andrew Nichol, uh, he, he um, <laughs> I mean, it's funny, I mean, I, I first met him um, when, it, when he was a young Kiwi off the boat. And he's now uh, a pretty, uh, you know, A-list Hollywood director. Uh, uh, and and boy, does he deserve it. Because, you know, when I, when I met him, I, I, I always remember, you know, he would agonise over less is more he would agonise on taking a headline and saying, can I take one word out of this, you know, in order to make it a better headline uh, on a better idea. Right. And, you know, all the best creative work I ever did, I was involved in, always involved him, because he knew the art of storytelling. And, and I think that, I mean, I didn't, subliminally, I think that's what I took from those days, where if you're, um, uh, and that's one of the reasons why, my, why my, one of my pet hates is PowerPoint presentations. You know, because they they're not storytelling. You know, mm. they they're, they're actually a, a bunch of points that you've written up on a PowerPoint and then you read. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, exactly. There's, there, there's a great TED talk called uh, "The Deaf Deaf by PowerPoint" by um, David J. P. Phillips. Okay. He's uh, Swedish, I think he is, but he 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 writes on storytelling. And so it's interesting that, that you know, your disgust for uh, PowerPoint is backed up by somebody else whose whole life skill, he, he runs this online university all about how to how to get good at storytelling, how to release various hormones at different stages through the story. But
1: I, I suppose, you know, the other aspect of the storytelling is, is, is that, you know, too often, you know, I have this, it's not my phrase, uh, I talk about sheep dipping, you know, and, 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 you know, sheep dipping is that whole sense of, you trudge along to the annual presentation, and it, sometimes it's a day off, um, and sometimes, if you're really lucky, it involves a pizza. Uh, and you, you know, you have a whole series of presentations by PowerPoint normally, <laughs> mm. and and you know, then you're expected to rah rah at the end, and then going to work a changed person. Uh, mm. And they just don't work. They they don't work partly because people are just being told to. Uh, and partly because they, that whole sense of operating or talking to people or lecturing people, it just doesn't cut through. And therefore the, the storytelling, I mean, is it, well, you know, obviously this is where I, I feel the shadow of my daughter saying, don't give a Steve Jobs story, but I'm going to give a Steve Jobs story, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, because he was the past master at storytelling you know mm. i mean uh, you know he, he did a lot of other things but uh, but he he also i think the other side to that is boy did he rehearse mm. you know it, it wasn't just getting up on the stage and say i'm going to tell you a story Um, he knew no it's performance it was a performance exactly. Mm. but performance without powerpoint uh, mm. and, and i think that's what holds the audience and that's what you want that's what mm. yeah, and I think that's I'm sure when you and I think a, a particular challenge right at this moment, you know, for you as a leader is is goes back to what we started off by saying, you know, the world of Zoom and the world of of lockdown three. You know, how do you how do you maintain that storytelling through Zoom mm. um, that that people you know feel engaged with, you know, e- even though that they're they're in their, you know, they've got their Zoom face on because mm. that's what people do uh, uh, my own way of overcoming that which is not as do it as suboptimal still suboptimal so it's still not what i would call as memorable as possible is is uh, you know when i've done my online taster events i've, I've just resorted to you know i'm still using a flip charles <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know so mm. i still try and make it live you know i still make
0: It is live. yeah we have um quarterly away days in our company and um partly because i'm a bad manager uh, partly because pr- perhaps laziness as well. We start them off with a flip chart. And what we do is we just ask everyone in the company what they want to talk about. And we set the agenda for the away day um, at the start of the meeting. So, so it's not me preaching. The, it probably comes from laziness, to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm paying this as some strategic idea, but actually it's just laziness. And um, if, I, if I start off every away day by asking people what we talk about then the the more the more interesting parts of what needs to change in the company kind of bubble up to the surface and 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 we have a much more engaged engaged conversation
1: you're doing two things that i fundamentally agree with so when i start off an event or you know whether it's a company spirit event or a taster event um or a presentation to the mclaren board you know it's always the start same start point it's tell me a customer experience you love uh, or tell me a company you love uh, and maybe a bit like you i i've i've a lot of these things i've i've learnt through accident um and and rather than design and but you know if it works then then continue to use it and what i found by starting something in that way you the person uh, who is talking can't be wrong mm. because it's your customer experience and mm. it's your company that you love uh, and, and And I think if you, you probably haven't been, um, as you said, (laughs) because you decided the best thing to do is run your own, start your own company, and therefore you can do it in your own way. But so many business meetings start, you know, with people falling asleep and feeling slightly in fear with their arms arms folded, not sure what's going to happen. So by starting in that way, not only do I learn something, but the person is immediately listened to. Mm. and and again they can't be wrong because it's their view it's there exactly Uh, and i think that's what is is powerful and therefore it's a simple it goes back to my discovery process or you know where where it's exactly the same way i don't sit i've never sat with a questionnaire you know and or i might have mentally a roadmap i'm going to go down but the most important thing is somebody's got to feel they're being listened to and if they feel listened to then there's a downside more chance that they're feeling engaged with what's going on. Uh, And and it's human nature. It's just human nature.
0: Well, it's also where the information is, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Well, exactly. You know, because it gives you, sorry, if I'm going to to go back to what you do, (laughs) because it gives you, then then you're working off uh, what what, what people want. And the fact they see you as the boss having listened to them and say, actually, that's what we're going to talk about. I mean, it's like, you know, my equivalent is, 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 you know, when I go through the, you know, when people talk about customer experiences they love, you know, that's when I then flip chart the six best-in-class company behaviours. And, and the, the, the reality is they might not have used exactly the same words, but most of what people have spoken about when they talk about customer experiences they love reappear. you Mm. you know, within the six best-in-class
0: company Mm. behaviours. You keep teasing us with these six best-in-class. Can can I test you? What are they? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's always hard. I was listening to somebody the other day who had like, I can't remember what it was, like the five characteristics of comedy, I think. It was Scott Adams, and he he was put on the spot to name them all. And he went, ah. Image and experience match, uh,
1: constantly inside the heads of the customer, Uh, brave yet disciplined, constantly innovating, creating a memorable customer experience and personal values and company values align. Uh, and, you know, if, if I go back to the, the first one, I, I, image and experience match in, in, in many ways, I mean, the thing about those six is, is I don't think any of those are difficult. You know, it, they're just a mindset. They're just a way of thinking. Uh, and, and the image and experience match bit is, 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 and I suppose, actually, ironically, that's one of the things that, you know, going back to my advertising days, you know, <laughs> back in the 1980s, the, the key word that people would talk about would be image. Yeah. I, I, and it was, you know, those simple days where, um, you know, if, if you had a, a posh brand, you'd advertise it on News at 10. And if you'd have a family brand, you'd advertise it in yeah. Coronation
0: Street. Can I, read, can I read a section of your book here? Yeah, yeah. Very, yeah. So it says... Um, like some latter-day conversion of, of Saul to Paul, my BHS experience completely changed the way I thought. As opposed to trying to create the change from the outside, I now believe the start point should be the other way around, from the inside, or put another way, start internally with what does the company stand for, not externally with what is the image we are trying to create. There was no straight line from this conversion to writing this book, but it was a seed which became the philosophy and approach I call the business case for love. Yes, sounds, sounds good. That, <laughs> sounds, sounds, <laughs> that sounds really good. Uh, that that speaks to me about this idea of what you know, how you present yourself, particularly in the advertising world, and it being congruent with actually what you are. The "Don't be evil" thing on Google. I felt like they had yeah. to they had to get rid of "Don't be evil" because it was getting embarrassing.
1: Yeah, I, and I think I think one of the things that. One of the things that gets me hot under the collar is, is that there's so many companies and so many marketeers who still think image and experience don't have to match. But, oh. uh, I don't think they deliberately set out to do that. But, um, you know, because the big change to me that has happened over the last 20 years is that word experience. And, you know, we are much more likely to, to judge sub- subliminally or not by, okay, that company is saying x is the experience i'm getting the same or if it's not why not you know i think this is uh, and if it does it tends to create trust and you know you think to yourself okay well and i think this is the muddle that the banks got into post 2008 they were busily promising stuff and and it was just so far removed from the reality that it just dug themselves further and further and further into a hole whereas you know the the the, the companies that um, really embrace this in terms of just being really clear about this is what we believe in, and this is actually we want to try and make the experience as as good as possible. Now I'm going to say something quite dangerous because obviously sometimes oh, it can it, it can set off a flare of ang- angst. Ooh. But Amazon, at their heart, and whatever you think now of Jeff Bezos and his billions, yeah. um, at its heart, it was a customer experience company.
0: Yeah. Mm. I've heard it described as a consumer rights charity. <laughs> 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 that really is explosive. Yeah, uh,
1: but I, well, kind of, I
0: get what I get. What the sentiment of that?
1: Well, I, I think it's like um, you know, unfortunately, I'm old enough to remember. Back in the day, when there used to be some, you know, direct mail advertising was 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 you know full of the the Sunday supplements are full of you know advertising for pots and pans and 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 radio alarm clocks and and you used to that time to to uh, to getting them, you pay your money up front and then if you were lucky, twenty eight days later they would turn up. <laughs> mm. and, and, and then if you didn't like them, you had to send them back. And 28 days after that, you might get your money back. Mm. And, and, and therefore, if feel like the sea change of, of uh, and I think, you know, as there we'll there's been a lot of articles about Jeff Bezos over the last couple of weeks, given his change of role. But, you know, when people put their go back to the roots of what Amazon was trying to do, what he understood was the importance of time and he understood that by harnessing technology to speed uh that actually and 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 again i i, was, I just remember being shocked <laughs> by you know in those early amazon days when you'd get an email from them saying actually we said it was going to arrive in 3 days it's actually going to arrive tomorrow because mm-hmm. actually the context you're operating on was those 28 days <laughs> you know if you're lucky mm-hmm. so i think those those um that's what's in my mind, is, is an example of a, a memorable customer experience. And, and, and it's a mindset. And if you don't do that, to light a lot of, you know, fire under everybody's um, excitement, um, <laughs> to go back to somebody even older than Steve Jobs. Walt Disney was, was, was a visionary <laughs> uh, and, uh, and in many ways was a long way ahead of his time. But obviously, you know, clearly it, almost impossible to deal with. Um, because he was very principled. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. I had a uh, the closest example I have into to my own work was I worked with Robert Bosch. Uh, and, you know, obviously, if you're looking at an organization like that, um, the founder isn't alive. They're long dead. You know, therefore, if you're thinking about roots, um, you have to be quite um, well, the way I went about it is you look at the archives, you look at the, the, uh, the posters and, and, and the imagery that was associated in those early days. And then, and then you look at the and then you look at the, uh, you know, some of the, the facts. And, and, and I always remember thinking to myself when people were talking about this, uh, I think he, he sort of opened up. I mean, this is pre-First World War. And he went from Germany to, to London, but also to New York and then to uh, what we used to call uh, Peking all within about three years. And you think to yourself, okay, I mean, that's an easy thing to see enough on, on a PowerPoint, but just imagine turning up, you know, pre first world war in Peking and setting mm. up a business. And, and you think you see yourself, boy, you know, the drive, the, 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 the energy, the the sheer guts to do that must've been phenomenal and I think what was interesting for me in that Bosch story was was that um, 50 years on or so, well now 100 years on from those days, uh, well it' it's probably about 90 when I was working for them um, from that first world war period. Um, what Bosch remembered as and the company were the uh, obvious bits. They remembered the sort of product development bits, the engineering bits, but they had forgotten completely the softer bits. The making people making people's lives better bits and, and I think that's where so often you know when you've got a very clear and visionary leader it, it's it's trying to understand them in the whole that actually is a very good way of getting to grips with how that company was behaving you know when it was at its best um you know it's it's, it's like um I think Ing- Ingvar Kamprup Kamprad, you know the founder of IKEA you know has got a few skeletons well, you know he obviously died a couple of years ago but he's there's a few skeletons in his cupboard. um mm. and and they probably is in most people's cupboards yeah, uh, absolutely. you know it's it just it's just thinking about things in in the round but i'm just reflecting on the image and experience match is you you can't in my le- yeah. you you can't say one thing and do another because mm. you just get found out
0: a benefit to to um, aligning yourself with what's considered to be the right values at the time. And uh, I remember someone saying it, they were a lecturer and they said to their class, I think it was like a philosophy lecture or something, and they said to their class, "Well, who would have been an abolitionist in the you know southern states? And everyone put their hand up. And he said, well, give me an example. Everyone who's put their hand up, give me an example of something that you believe that is against the prevailing social norms of your time. And uh, despite the the social setback of that, you believe it anyway. Show me something that is costly to you as an individual that you believe in that isn't agreed by your peers. Because if you can't, you probably wouldn't have been. Hmm. That's a very good way of talking about it
1: you got to have a point of view. I mean, it's it's, it's funny. I, I mean, I going back to uh, my BHS days, which I have to say, I wasn't very good at any of that, you know, I, and I learned a lot of lessons um, because I just realized that I'm advertising taught you a lot of things, but it it, it was only, only how to do advertising and, and go out for lunch. You know? <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> uh, and I think, um, and I suppose this, you know, the, the, the whole art of presentation, to be fair, but um, it doesn't really set you up for business. And and so when I, then I, when I went into BHS, I was just shocked at how little I knew. And I do remember um, this lady uh, who you know, as I say in the book, was the most terrifying person I'd ever come across, Anna Iverson, uh, Cruella de Villa, she was nicknamed. Um, she came up to me once and said, you know, you guys in marketing have got to have a point of view, mm. you know, and I cowered away into the corner um, to think about that. And and I think how that's manifested itself several years later, for me, actually, was, was the word love. Mm. So when I started off, the company spirit um 12 13 years ago or so whatever it is now um you know the 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 part of what i used as my point of difference my point of view was the word love uh, and boy was it polarizing <laughs> mm. uh, it was polarizing because people were scared by it in many ways uh, and and um actually <laughs> you know going back to mclaren um, McLaren mclaren's is, is it was only one, i think it's two two times over the last 12 years i've actually had to pitch for a business, you know, everything else has come out alive. You know, I've connected with somebody and, you know, the timing is right. And then we've gone in that way. I mean, this was actually a proper pitch. we were going through different rounds. And first one was a written submission. And then I met these two lovely ladies um, who were very interesting ladies uh, who were for HR. And it was the HR director who, who had actually spotted the issue, we need to get the culture sorted out. And they were terrified about my use of the word love. Mm. <laughs> absolutely terrified why,
0: why do you think that was because it seemed it's seen as soft it's seen as something not related yeah. to business
1: yeah you know because mm. they said i've got a bunch of you know pr- quite hard-nosed engineers on on the board or the management team yeah you know, and you're going to stand up there and talk about love uh, mm. and, and and actually in a way to be fair they were they were right in as much as that when I put love in the context of the business case for love, and when I put love in the context of the love grid, which is my little way of thinking about the link between, you know, the internal experience, how the, you know, the company behaves and the external experience, the customer experience and the customer relationship, people do get the, the word love. I think, you know, thrown in cold and just say, I want you to, you know, let everybody to love what they do. I think that's where people would go happy clappy and <laughs> You know, Mm. this isn't for me. And I I learned that if I was going to stick to my principles, then I actually had to build a business case around it, which is obviously, you know, the burgeoning of what became the book, you know, which was actually... That whilst the overarching, you know, thought which is the simple one, which is if you want your company, your customers to love what you do as a company, you need to start with your employees loving what they do, and if you get that right, that's what causes a sustainable business, whatever category you're in. So that's the core of what I believe in. But you know, that's why I, I've put it within the context of. You know the best-in-class company behaviors and the best-in-class leadership behaviors. But so, so it's not an abstract idea. It's, it's but it's based on starting with a sense. And I do, you know, I, I and I would say, <laughs> no, I suppose I would say this. I wouldn't I, but I do think, you know, what I'm most pleased about about what's going on with the book and everything is is that message is resonating. You know, people. Mm. No, and not everybody. But and I think that's part of having a point of view. I'm not going to appeal to everybody, you know. I, I've, I've mm. you know, people will look at the title and think, well, you know, that's not for me.
0: It resonates down at like a real deep level for a lot of people. We talked, we started this podcast talking about how, um, you know, it's nice to see people's kids and stuff on Zoom calls and stuff like that, and how you you see the human behind the people in the business. Um, it does. It can sound sort of flouncy and hippie idea to make the business case for love. But when you when you do, you realize that actually the companies are full up with just living, breathing, farting, normal people. <laughs> 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 the the love and the the are human that are that have a humanity deep down. It's no wonder it resonates, really. It mm. just takes someone brave enough to say it.
1: But it, it, well also and it, and it takes it takes you know leaders you, you can't fake this you've got to believe in uh, if you want to take your create that culture which obviously there's culture i believe in then you can't fake it you've got to you've got to live it and, and i suppose you know as you're talking um what was it now kind of get gets lost in the mist of time now what was it june july last year when obviously the travel industry was going through major issues and, and I just would compare and contrast um, the way Brian Chesky of CEO of Airbnb and, and um, you know, Woody Walsh and, and the dreadful Alex Cruz at British Airways were dealing with precisely the same issue, which is how do you make 25% of your business redundant? Right. Mm. And so the same issue that it, they had, and they was in the same category A- mm. and one took the, process and obviously i don't know him but i mean obviously read up about him and and i think he talked about it on various podcasts he said yeah
0: yeah he's great my start
1: point was to was to go back to the roots you know and actually we, we need to shape the business around our core product which was actually the the staying in a room or staying in a in a flat bit and all the other bits that they'd grown out you know the the sort of customer experience bits, you know, the 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 add-ons. That's what he said. That unfortunately, that's what we're going to have to cut down. So we go back to the core product. But he made it absolutely clear uh, that. I think given the fact it was a worldwide company, I think he talked to everybody at the same time. And those that were being made redundant, he made it abundantly clear. He said, and the words he used was love. He said, this is nothing to do with your skills and capabilities. And it's not that we don't love you. It's just you're in the wrong bit. Mm. You know, you're in the new bit, and we need to go back to the old bit and then bail back mm. out. And mm. I think people get that. And mm. Whereas British Airways, they found out on the news. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And it's like... Well, and that's that's leadership. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's. I don't give a damn. And and I think that's. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's obviously I have a real pop at British Airways in the book, and and, and I, I despair. But I think that's the perfect example of a company that ends up being driven by the numbers, by being driven by the the need to hit the numbers for the city. And short term can be successful, and short term for a few people, they can end up earning a fortune out of their shares and uh, and their bonuses but long term you're destroying the very point the aspect the company started off which is we are proud to serve you know mm. and actually at the heart of that was not just the customer experience was the employee experience mm. and actually i mean f- funny enough <laughs> i mean since we spoke john lewis is really in the firing line at the moment uh, for 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 not living their values and uh in an art in a commentary in this in, in the times saturday's times boy did the guy have a go at um Sharon uh, White, uh, and basically – and it was all to do with the fact they weren't giving their business rate relief loan back, despite Waitrose. Mm. And, he, and he, he didn't say image and experience match, but he did say, these are your values, mm. you know, and, and you're not living to them, and therefore you are tin-eared. Mm. Now, yeah. that's a pretty – you know, given that it was used to be our wonderful, favourite place we all talk about as to go. Mm. That's that's a, a that shows yeah. to me that that you know, that management that leadership style is a, a appropriate.
0: You talk about the Marks and Spencers and the, the, them not providing a toilet for your <laughs> your son yeah. when he, he was bursting bursting for the toilet and you're racing around. And you got a sniff that things weren't right there.
1: But you see, I I, I think in a way. I'm obviously a great believer in in you know a small thing suggests trouble as I call it trouble at mill, <laughs> mm. and, and and actually I'll you going back to listening to people's uh, customer experience stories, you know one of the because obviously one of the things is you spot trends you know over the years and certainly over the last two or three years has been more rumblings of discontent amongst the the middle class shires of the noble John Lewis, uh, and and you know how it was it's funny, I it was brought home to me. Do you remember those days of freedom where you could actually walk to, you know, you could actually go to a place? Um, mm. uh, uh, so K- Karen uh, and I, my wife, we went, to, uh, we went to John Lewis one day and I hear the next. So that's very exciting. Retail therapy weekend. Mm. And, <laughs> and, and my, my local John Lewis is the one at High Wycombe. And we walked in and I thought to my, and I said to Karen, you know, the trouble is everything, there was no love. There's no care. I mean, I remember Walking past a, a display of cross pens, you know the quite expensive pens, and, and and they were all crooked, and you know they were dusty. And you think to yourself, why would you spend 120 quid on something that where there's clearly no love? Mm. Uh, and and normally that doesn't go. You know, again, my my view of all that is it, that's not, that's not the poor person. although you might question why they haven't got the duster out, but normally. You know, that's because the leadership of that store or that business is focused on different things. And, and whereas actually, bizarrely, the next day we went to Ikea and, and, you know, and we did the usual of get lost in, you know, downstairs. And that obviously that nightmare that you go to every so often. Actually, the way they were handling COVID and the way they were handling, you know, stuff was 10 out of 10. And you you felt that one was a fresh experience and the other was a tired experience. And you don't need a a financial report to tell you which one is struggling and which one is succeeding. You just have to go in and smell the coffee. Mm. And I think that's one of the things I've always found with my work is, you know, part of it is what I call bringing the outside in, which is actually getting people to take their job hat off and put their customer hat on. You know, and actually, it sounds so simple. (laughs) but. It's amazing actually, when you physically send people out to go and to go to places and and you know obviously it's a slightly unique thing because I send people out to you know eight or ten places all in small groups and they all do the same thing just in a different order and then they come back and talk about it you know what what always strikes me it, it, all every time is is that people get something immediately mm. you know they they walk into something and they'll say, you know what actually <laughs> There's, there was no, you know, that employee, that that person over there. They 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 clearly were bored with what they were doing. They didn't really understand their product. They didn't have any yeah. understanding. There was no empathy. Whereas actually, we walked into this other mm-hmm. place, and and actually, you know, they obviously love what they were doing. They knew everything about their product. They were really chatty. Mm-hmm. And obviously, what I do is then once you've gone all that, I then say, okay, well, let's turn the turn the spotlight onto you guys, and and what's the experience for you? And because they've gone through their own experience. Mm. This, they're, they're much more honest and mm. they will say to themselves I mean I always remember you know it's bizarrely I mean this, this was the working with the East Midlands Airport and, and I always remember um, the, the car park attendant saying we haven't got any covered car parking the chances are you know you're going to dump your car and it could be raining so, so the first experience you have of East Midlands Airport is you're wet <laughs> mm. and, and that's not good Mm. And it just, it was just, but they wouldn't have got to that point if they hadn't gone through their own experience to get them to think, actually, I don't want to be treated like that.
0: Yeah, you can tell so quick, can't you? I, I swear I can tell when we walk into a hospital back yeah. in the days where we can move around, but I'd go into an NHS trust and within, I'd say, 30 seconds, I could tell you how good the chief exec was.
1: <laughs> well, uh, you know, and, and without, well, I will blow your own trumpet now because I said to you before, the reason why we're talking is because of the way Pete sent me a LinkedIn message. Mm-hmm. He wrote me a LinkedIn message, which was actually not just would you connect with me, it was actually beautifully written. Mm. And therefore, my immediate reaction was, actually, this sounds really interesting company. Mm. So that first impression Mm. has
0: created this podcast. Yeah, he's great. That's why we hired him.
1: (laughs) Very good. (laughs) But also, you know, it matters, you know, because and I think this is and it goes back to the human bit. Mm. You know, it it goes back to, you know, it goes back to that sense of, you know, humanity and language and, and wanting to engage. Well, I think that's really, really come to the fore. And how people are spoken to and how, people, how leaders talk and, and the language they use absolutely defines, in my mind, uh, what they stand for. Mm.
0: And it's getting better, isn't it? It is getting
1: better. But, it, but, it's, but it's you guys. You know, that's the hope. You know, it's, it's your, you and your company. My daughter's company, my tutor, you know, the, the online tutoring company. It's the way they, they behave. It's what they do. I'm, I'm, uh, that's where the hope is. Mm. You know, there's a bunch of 30-something and upwards Who get this and whether whether they're employees driving change from below or whether they're leaders and founders who are saying, you know what? Yeah, obviously, I want my company to be successful. It will be great if I make some money along the way. Uh, But actually, in order to do that, I believe I've got to, you know, Mm. lead in this way.
0: Yeah. I will say that the older generation also want this. They don't. That's the impression I get is that, you know, they, they perhaps were growing up in a business culture that was less aligned to the things that we've spoken about and the things that are in your book. But the, now it is happening. And now that transition is happening. I think they too, you Professor Joe McDonald, who we had on the podcast last, you know, he would so be signed up to this. I'm sure my mum and dad who very loyally listen to every episode. Hi, mum, dad. Like, I think (laughs) they'd be totally signed up to this. It's just just that the world is starting to move on. I don't think it's necessary. I get what you're saying is there are 30 and 40 year olds who've grown up in a world where sort of collaboration and building on top of what others are doing is just a thing that they do in their life and so they want to see it in their business world that human love element resonates with everyone of every age but,
1: it, but it's like you know one of the one of the you know just thinking about this conversation and 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 just thinking about that question about what did you learn from advertising i mean you know there, there was a you know, we we didn't really use the word in there this, this that way. Although that was not, that's where I did beat my wife, as with everybody else. Mm. Um, there was a lot of love for the business. There was a lot of love uh, and pride for your agency. There was a lot of competitive spirit
0: mm. between agencies. You see that in Mad Men, don't you? Like, you do. I do. I know it's fiction, We're partly fiction.
1: Yeah, but it well, I, uh, and it was always supposedly, um, you know, as, as rumour had it, set um, uh, around uh, the agency I worked for, a company called BBDO. Mm. You know, I mean, I remember going. I mean, obviously, this was early nineteen eighties, um, and I remember going to Madison Avenue uh, for the first time, uh, and, um, I, I, and 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 um, it was like that. I mean, mm. <laughs> the one thing that I <laughs> you might not like what I'm about to Uh-oh, say. Oh, so, here we yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, one of the things I I, I I found fascinating was was I was terrified by how sharp, how sharp and and smart and slick the American counterparts were to me. Um, and then yeah. <laughs> one of one of the good things I suddenly re- I started to realize is actually you scratch below the surface, and they, you know there wasn't sometimes it wasn't a lot there. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and and but i was but i just remember and i think that was that especially it's just the excitement and the energy and 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 the mm. and 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 the creativity that that came with it
0: mm. i feel like i really missed out on the office parties of the 70s yeah, <laughs> and the too. office culture of the 70s and 80s like i live i live in a three generation household i live with my mother-in-law and she worked for the department of work and pension so it's not i guess it's not it's not quite Mad Men, right? <laughs> um, but there was definitely a, a sense of belonging to the organisation you worked in, and it, it, like a like big Christmas parties and.
1: Well, my wife is going to hate me for saying this, but the 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 result of Oliver. Sophie and my wife is the result of a Christmas party. Oh,
0: wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Very good times. That really is uh, a business uh, case for love, isn't it? it
1: yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, a lot of drink. Yeah. There you go. Yes. The, so the mad, that, that bit of madman was absolutely true. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Just don't drive a lawnmower. Oh, exactly. <laughs> ex- ex- exactly.
1: But I think I think that, I suppose that last Bit, or the bit I touched upon in terms of the, the going back to the love grid, and that you know, people, everybody really wants to be—they want to feel part of a company, whatever their age. Uh, and I think that's where that's still my answer to your overall question about can you survive as a dealer? You know, the bottom of the love grid, and and of course you can, and some companies do. Uh, and I think the worst thing a company can do is actually to say they're at the top and behave at the bottom. Exactly. Mm. So they behave. They say they're about brand values and sense of purpose and, and, and everything that we, that I talk about, you know, beliefs and values and, and a clear company spirit. But actually, they behave as a dealer. And I think that's, I think that's obviously what's happened, starting to happen with John Lewis. I think it's what's happened, happened over the last 20 years with Martin Spencer. It's what's happened with British Airways. You know, you, if you say one thing and do another, it is just not sustainable. You will be found out. It might take um, four days, as Bill Michael found out at KPMG, or it might take 30 years, as Marks and Spencer are founding out. But you will still get found
0: out. I'm going to have to send you a really lovely video of a poem called Nirvana um, by Charles Bukowski. Have you ever heard of it? No. It's, um, it's read by Tom Waits. It's a, great, it's a really good YouTube clip, and it's about a guy... R- arriving on a bus at a diner where everything is just beautifully done like the the staff care for each other they smile they there's people love that business and he has to get back on this bus and he he sort of wrestles with getting back on the bus because he in this place everything is right mm. and uh i have to send it to you it's a really nice story about a Sounds lovely Business is clearly loved and be- beautifully written and beautifully read. Whenever I listen to that, I think, "Oh yeah, that's like what Mark Mark Cox says about business case for love." It's
1: I am thrilled that it's resonated, mm. uh, and I think that's the. I suppose that's the lovely. That's the bonus for me because going back to launched in a pandemic, which was yeah. which was interesting, because there was there was no wonderful book launch. I, and I think that was my moment where I'm related most to those creative teams back in my advertising days, which is you know I'd press send, you had no idea, mm. <laughs> right? Really, what people were going to say. Mm. And I think that's the being the most exciting thing. Is it, It's it's you know it's it's led to these conversations. It's led to actually. Uh, uh, all over the world, and uh, uh, you know, the most surprising thing for me is is, uh, is what I describe as my my Indian fan club that that came out. You know, in in um, mm. when was it? Uh, sort of June, July, August last year, where you know somebody got in contact with me, and there's she she ran a company called Amazing Workplaces, which I thought oh, that's a really interesting name. Yeah. Mm. Um, and and you know, we we had a couple of YouTube videos that we did and talking about this, and I it, and and I think that's what I was. I mean perhaps mistaken because I had I had a wrong
0: view about you know India as a business community well I, my impression of India is is a, is a country that loves love mm. I mean yeah. it is so it's such a part of the culture and I don't think that there is unashamedly we'll talk about love and relationships. I did
1: these two <laughs> taster events, um, virtual taster events. So that was me in my flip charts. And 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 the thing I, obviously one of the little facts I learned, which I'd never realized before, is that this is a fun fact if people don't know it, is India is four and a half hours ahead of us. So it's mm. not four or five hours, it's four and a mm. half hours. Yep. So once I've got my head around that, and plus the fact that Friday is their Saturday to a large mm. extent. So I, mm. I did these two events on a Saturday uh lunchtime their time and so therefore hop past seven my time in the morning oh. <laughs> and, and 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 of course what, actually a bit like what's happening now is is that people spoke their camel would come on and i and i would have <laughs> and i would have these just weird and wonderful backdrops and images or people that you think to yourself well how isn't this fantastic and mm. and, and their sense of uh, and they got it. You know, it, it wasn't. and partly obviously they'd signed up to a taste event, so therefore they they were they were interested in the subject. But they absolutely understood what we were talking about and 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 believed in it. And I,
0: I you know, I, I was thrilled by that. It's because it resonates on that human level, right deep down. Every nation in the country would would I suspect. This will resonate with them. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. Sorry, every every nation in the world, not a country. <laughs> it's only one.
1: You know, it's like the perhaps the the world leader who has come out best out of this, uh, Jacinda Ad- um of uh, New Zealand. Um, I, I think she understood early on. I mean, she absolutely was heart and head. You know, w- when she announced the lockdown uh, and and the the way she went about it was was first. You know, heart. I we're all, you know, we're in this together. Uh, and, and therefore, the first part of the messaging was hot. And then the head bit was actually what this really means is X, Y, and Z. Uh, mm. And therefore, um, I think what she achieved right at that beginning, a bit like going back to the vaccination programme, was a sense of actually what we are all in this together, you know, actually. And therefore, we will do our best. Uh, and, and I think obviously what's been fantastic is that, you know, she's been a leader that has been praised for the success of coping with COVID, but actually the way she's gone about it, it is a brilliant example of the business case for love.
0: Yeah, you need her to write your next four words. Yeah, that sounds
1: good. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny, actually, how these things come out because I was talking, you know, there's an article a couple of weeks ago um, uh, uh, fr- about, uh, you know, McKinsey. And, I mean, Tom Peters was... I mean, if I was going to have anybody write a forward, it'd be it would be mm. if a combination of him and Jacinda Ardern would be great. But I think what struck me about um uh, Tom Peters was um, I mean, he wrote as as was described, the best business book ever, uh, uh by Bloomsbury. And he um so in search of excellence, it was obviously a massive success from about 15, 20 years ago. And the reason I mention it is because a couple of weeks ago he wrote this column in in uh, in the in the ft and he was so angry at what mckinsey's were doing mm. w- which he had worked for as, a, as a, so it was his old company and what was why he was so angry was because of the opiate scandal in the states and their role in that you know he he obviously I did a little dance on, on this bit because he then, <laughs> he then, he then went on to have a big hit. On um, business schools uh, and mm. say, I mean, I not well, even more strongly than I did, which is in the book. Which is, you know, he would ban business schools because he he thinks that they they tr- they teach people to be be good at the numbers. But as I say in the book, you you can't read the room, mm. so they've they're mm. not teaching the human empathetic skills which leaders need now, yeah. mm. and and therefore he's seventy eight. Now, so well, I thought he, I thought he was dead, but actually he's obviously not. He's alive and kicking. And I, I, I took a lot of solace out of that because if you've got people, obviously <laughs> massively better known than I am as an author, and massively more successful, but if you've got people who are, you know, saying that right now, right here, right here, right now, uh, and, and having a real pop at these businesses where they've become a parody of what they were in the past. And, and him emphasising the need for leadership and, and love. And therefore, mm. I think we're in a good place mm. as long as people listen Right, and yeah. the dinosaurs go. It's happening. It's happening. And, no, it is happening. And, and I think the advantage of of the last 12 months is it's just accelerated everything. Mm, definitely. You know, uh, I mean, I've been, I've, you know, again, I, I have a real go at retailing, not just the BHS, there, you know, not just the Philip Greens, but the how the last decade the, of, of poor leadership. And it's very interesting. I took my, Sophie, um, obviously, you know, as a, as a direct consequence of the uh, many, many years on of the uh, the uh, office party. I took her and my wife, Karen, mm. back to Peckham. She stayed for the weekend. Uh, and the f- f- first time we'd seen her. So he, she's technically in our bubble, but it's the first time we'd seen her since uh, Christmas. And dri- driving through London was fascinating because you went through Battersea, Busy Park, and it was obviously a lovely sunny day, loads of people out. What was felt really true is, I think, the community spirit. So where, where Sophie lives, Peck and Rye, you know, the shops there, what's going on, the activity, the businesses founded by, you know, young people who are doing the right thing in the right way. And that compares and contrasts so strongly with Oxford Street, which is obviously been stuck in the past of 20 years no investment and obviously that place is decimated mm. and so to me it's a very visual sign of the extremes that are going on I don't think there's going to be any middle at the moment mm. there, there's going to be heroes and villains there's going to be failure and success you know uh, but the success looks like beneden Road in Peckham Rye you know full of artisans full of you know, people wanting to do the right thing. Full of full of mm-hmm. people offering, you know, a great cup of coffee, or or a, or a butcher, or or a fishmonger who's been there for a hundred years that knows that their their way forward is not just great fish, but great chat. Mm. You know, actually, the ability to chat and relate to every single customer—it's like why I talk about my butcher. I mean, I've only ever—I've spe- I've, uh, laughed about it over the weekend. Other than Zoom calls, I physically mm. have only spoken to two people. You know, one is the butcher, <laughs> yeah. other than my wife, and, and mm. one is the chap who drops the wine off.
0: You—you <laughs> <laughs> are living a good life. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Meat and wine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, and actually that's the irony, isn't it? That's the only people that I have had a physical in the yeah. same space yeah. other than Karen. Um, and, and, and therefore the importance of those moments are, are important. And therefore mm. I think even when we can go and talk to other people, you know, the little chat I now have with the wine chap and I know mm. his favourite football club and, mm. you know, and we have a little mm. chat about stuff and talk about where he's off to next. I think that's mm. the good bit of all that's happened. You know, we're taking time for one another.
0: Yeah, COVID, COVID shone a light yeah, well, on it. it. Well it is. Yeah. There's Warren Buffett says it's only only when the tide goes out that you discover who's been swimming naked. Yes. And I think that's a great phrase. the tide's gone out and we get yeah. we get to see who's leading badly and who's leading well. No, yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's one thing our listeners should know. What would that be? Well perhaps not
1: surprisingly, it's it's love what you do.
0: Absolutely.
1: It's succinct. <laughs> yeah that's amazing I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm tempted to I'm, and my part b is don't put up with a toxic
0: culture mm.
1: no i agree no. with that you know so so but you know love what you do and if you love what you do normally you're good at it and if you're good at it you actually have a happy life
0: oh good. yeah i was talking to a young guy about career choices and where you go with your career and i was saying do you know i think it matters more where where you work than the career path you choose by a long way.
1: I, t- I totally agree, and I think pa- you know perhaps goes that goes back to that is a significant change on on um, you know generational shift where people tended to start off in one category and stay within it. Funny enough, one of the pe- one of the groups, or one of the categories that I think is most struggling to adapt is recruiters because there's still I I, I talked to a lot of people and I talked to somebody on Friday uh, and he was suffering from the fact that actually he, he's got this CV. And therefore, the recruiter, you know, technically, is just say, well, these are the jobs that you will fit, rather than looking at the person and the whole, and mm. say, you know, those skills are multi transferable, which is obviously, I've always had a great belief in that. So you mm. might have, you might have had a stint over here, but it doesn't mean to say you can't work in something else. Mm. And I think that, uh, that is counter what most people want, because most people, most people will start work or start their careers, and they're, they're, you know they start in one way and 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 end up in a completely different place because Mm. because of what they've learned
0: we use the same recruiter every time we recruited mariah and um it's because he gets to know our culture and he knows us and i'm I'm, you know i'm friends with him and um, so when he's getting candidates he can articulate to them the sort of company is which is uh, as attractive hopefully as Salary, or
1: but but it is. I mean, that's that's the personal values versus company values aligned bit, and and the fact you've got somebody who is able to to describe your culture, uh, 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 and therefore, for me, what happens is is that people naturally gravitate to that or, or not. Mm. You know, it, mm. it's it's always interesting. You know, going back to my McLaren involvement, which was this this whole thing of their realization that although they'd hired a load of very brilliant engineers. They didn't fit. <laughs> they just didn't fit the kind of madness yeah. mm-hmm. that was McLaren. You know, it was they were just too straight lined. And they weren't bad people. They were very good engineers, but they just didn't fit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really good because it just means that you know you're growing a company out of. Like-minded people. It doesn't mean to say you know they're all the same type of people or they've got the same views, but they've got to believe in the same thing. Mm.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you, Mark, very much for joining us. It's been my pleasure. I really enjoyed that. You were awesome. Thank you to all our listeners who tuned in to today's episode of Sardism's. We hope you've enjoyed this episode, hearing about the way companies need to ensure their experience demonstrates their vision. Are the two aligned? You can find out more about SARD by visiting sardjv.co.uk or send us a tweet on Twitter at SARDJV and use hashtag SARDisms. Until next time, have a great week.